Welcome to this edition of uh, Business Matters Podcast with me, Richard Alvin, Managing Editor. We're joined today by Jeff Kaliski, the CEO of Equity Funding Cedars. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Richard. Thanks for, thanks for uh, inviting me. You're welcome, Jeff. Um, Jeff, can you uh, just uh, give us a quick overview of exactly what um, Cedars is and how you actually help um, UK small and uh, SMEs to actually gain funding without having to worry about um, you know the rigors of stock market and uh, other things sure I mean I mean the idea of Cedars uh, uh, started really about 10 years ago with a simple observation that there's a vast number of great entrepreneurs and investors who want to back them but most of them never find each other um, and so we wanted to build a platform where actually it creates the opportunity for those entrepreneurs to find a faster and easier path to uh, liquidity and fund those ideas, fund those businesses, and opening it up to the crowd. Uh, before we started, there wasn't um, the regulation to make this possible, and we were involved in um, in actually defining that uh, in order to to set it up. Um, and so we actually formed the both the, the legal framework and the tech platform that allows us to fund. Um, uh, now we've had over a thousand deals on the platform funded since 2012. Um, by uh, several hundreds of thousands of investors over that time. Uh, last year actually was uh, quite a big year. We had uh, over 250 deals uh, in that year alone um, uh, with, um, with over 40,000 investors last year. So through those investors, they actually back entrepreneurs um, through sometimes multiple stages of their growth. Roughly how many uh, people take part in a funding round? So say, for example, a company is looking to raise... 200,000. I know they then have the ability to raise uh, an additional 50 or 100 if they so wish, if they hit that target. But roughly, on average, how many uh, people will take part in a funding round over a, what, a 14-day period, something like that? Yeah, it ranges. 14 tends to be the most common, although people sometimes will extend that um, uh, up, to, up to 60 days, actually. Um, so on average, you'll see between 200 and 300 um, investors come into a round. Um, and broadly, there's sort of three groups who will back an entrepreneur. There's the anchor investors, who are the larger ones, sometimes angels, sometimes institutions, who will, who will anchor that round. You have the, the network, that business's network, which could be their customer base, their communities, their, their own personal networks, and that's that middle group. And then you have the platform, which Cedars platform um, you know, has uh, you know, over 500,000 registered users, and that group will uh, also uh, participate to some extent. And so you will range from at the small end, maybe you know, 40 to 50 investors for those which are smaller rounds in terms of um, investors, uh, up to uh, several thousand. So our biggest round was over 5,000 investors into a business. Do you normally have a lead investor or lead investors or small institutional investors actually leading around or pretty much is it open and that £200,000 that a company wants, uh, and they say they're giving away 10%, um, is literally divvied up by X amount of people or is there normally a, a lead investor almost representing, looking after the interests of those minority, much smaller shareholders? Yeah, you've got, it, you've got it absolutely right. In almost all cases, there is a lead investor, um, which is uh, anything from um, an anchor, uh, an angel, for example, who um, uh, is backing the business from the beginning, you know, through to um, a small uh, institution, maybe family office, or even a, a large VC. So in almost all cases, there is a, there's one or more 
uh, backers who really act as that as that anchor community um, who will possibly have board seats um, and play an active role in um, uh, you know in, in the boards of those of those businesses, and then they will open it up to the crowd um, to um, increase the participation at that round, and therefore hopefully um, both accelerate the growth from a capital perspective, but also accelerate the growth from a marketing perspective to really let that community know that they're there um, and get those investors to become um, evangelists of their business. Talking about evangelists, do most people invest just because they look at the numbers or do they actually follow, they've had a prior experience of working in that particular sector um, or uh, or, or space, um, you know, for example, I, I know that uh, Andy Murray has actually invested in a, a number of businesses through the platform. And I think yeah. he's also invested actually in, in you yourself, Cedars. Um, yeah. so, so, you know, and I've seen that quite a few of his investments have been sports related. Obviously, he knows the sports world really well. So is that the normal trajectory for investors to come through? Or do people just literally look at, look at it a bit like investing in the normal stock market? And just look at the numbers and, and look at the multiples and, and just go with that. Yeah, actually, in some ways, I'd have to say all of the above. So you've got really three types of, I'm going to oversimplify uh, for the sake of the answer, but the, you know, you've got a group of investors who I'd say are the fans. Um, and, and, and those fans absolutely are um, uh, attracted to that business, have followed that business, and, um, and they're very much driven by a belief in what that business stands for, what they produce, um, uh, maybe the founder. Um, uh, you've got another group um, who are, if you like, uh, fairly large and professional investors um, um, in terms of a side business, in terms of you know what they do with uh, their free capital is they will actually look at the numbers and make a judgment uh, based on the performance um, uh, of what that business has achieved and then follow it as it, as it grows um, uh, or not. Um, and then you have, I guess, the, the pure angels who, um, you know, who will invest in, and that is the entirety of what they do. Um, uh, and so you, you've got all of those groups who will pay more or less attention to the, the math of the financials. However, because every raise has a forum where there are discussion groups, what generally happens is you know, people are looking to the professionals to ask the, 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 the more challenging questions, and then they follow those threads. So I think what it does is it sort of raises the bar for everybody who's participating in those rounds. And, and you're right, Andy Murray came in, and he's got, a, he's got a, obviously a specific area of specialty, and um, uh, we worked with him for some time, and we were uh, very fortunate that he's invested in us a, a couple of times. Um, given that quite a few businesses actually have a you know you need to touch and feel the product see if the product works etc um clearly most people come to you i know not all but most people would come to you with a proven business model they're not going for the really early seed round they would have gone to something else uh, first to actually to kick start kickstarter <laughs> to actually kickstart <laughs> it um to actually prove the concept etc um do you rely on uh, youtube clips video is there an open forum where you can actually do a Q&A with the actual entrepreneurs or founders or management boards and things like that? How can people really get under the bonnet, kick the tires, so to speak, of what they potentially could be investing in? Yes, um, uh, that's a really important part, actually. And, and I think there are, the, there are those, those three dimensions. So um, when an entrepreneur begins their um, campaign journey, 
um, there's usually a part of that journey which is very much, um, well, uh, obviously not in a COVID world, but which is face-to-face where there are bite-sized pitches, there are events that you can attend where you can actually meet them uh, face-to-face um, uh, and, and hear the pitch, ask questions, and that sort of thing. And many of those uh, will then lead to follow-on discussions that you kind of see offline. Um, there is absolutely, uh, again, as you say, m- much of the campaigns will have been, it'll be a, uh, uh, both written and, you know, a form of video to describe the proposition, um, show the proposition, um, introduce in some ways customers of the client to the investors. Um, and then what, uh, what I described earlier is you have this forum where actually there's back and forth between the investors. So you as a potential investor in, you know, maybe a, a sports startup have the opportunity to start asking the entrepreneur questions. And that could be a simple back and forth, or that can sometimes lead to separate meetings um, where the entrepreneur will then take a meeting with you to go into greater detail. So you, you do have the opportunity to go as, as deep as you'd like to um, or not, depending on, uh, on your desire. Um, do you have many angels? I know, obviously, we, we spoke just now about, obviously, potentially angels lead, being the lead investor, etc. But do you actually have many angel investors and family offices, etc., pretty much coming along and buying up 80% of the, of the equity available in one go and just using your platform as a security blanket for their investments? Or is it very much they just take, I don't know, 10, 15, 20% max, uh, with the rest actually being inverted commas? And I know you, you may rail against this phrase but dumb money in so much as uh, actually people just investing uh yeah yeah yeah. definitely rail against the 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 phrase dumb money but um it's interesting that you say that i think i think if you and i were having this discussion uh three or four years ago i think there was a a general misconception among the venture capitalists and the profession you know the, the the true professional investor that that's what the crowd represents and i think over the last few years what we found is actually there's there is wisdom of crowds and that, um, you know, entrepreneurs who try and come in with too high valuation will often be rebuffed by a crowd that just won't, um, Bush just won't follow. Um, but no, what often will happen in other ways to either avoid or mitigate the, 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 the point you made, which is, you know, does an angel come along and kind of snap up a big chunk of it is as part of the campaign planning process, what we'd be doing is running what's known as pre-reg and, and we'll get an assessment of actually what is the appetite of the crowd um, and that body of investors to invest in your business based on some assumptions. And so you'll get, a, you'll, you'll get a view as to what that size is and that becomes the target. I mean, is it possible that somebody comes in despite that understanding and buys up a chunk? Yes, but it's, it tends to be rare because you, you end up with a, a fairly good picture. Having done this now for, um, you know, since 2012, we're generally pretty good at understanding what the envelope of success is likely to, to be, um, you know, barring some, some, some outliers. But, um, but no, we, we don't tend to find that. What we do find, though, however, is that the behavior around investing is, is growing. I think, you know, portfolio theory is something that's well understood in uh, public markets where people actually build a diverse portfolio just deliberately to avoid sort of massive risk. Um, and, um, and now that we've done this for as long as we have, uh, we, we produce a portfolio report every year. Uh, and actually it shows that the people who build a diverse portfolio of investments tend to have an overall better IRR than those who are trying to pick and choose, you know, one or two. And so those angels will often, you know, spread across multiple deals 
deliberately for that reason, because they know as angels that you're going to need, um, you know, you know, 10 or 20 deals in order to uh, set the, the risk of this asset class. Do you actually um, have investors that will follow the lead investor and in angels? You know, is it, is it, are they able to see, you know, they've invested in company A, the lead investor was Steve, um, you know, Steve's just about to go into company B. Oh, you know, if Steve thinks it's good, you know, yes, I'll, I'll do a bit of due diligence, but I'm just going to follow Steve like a sheep because, you know, Steve was good last time. Steve's got good instincts and I'll follow Steve. Uh, you, you definitely um, have some of that behavior because there are people on the platform who are um, uh, serial investors um, in a particular category. You know, it could be fintech or it could be consumer products or food and beverage. So that definitely is true. I think it's one of the areas, it's interesting you mentioned that because it is one of the areas um, that we're getting customer demand in terms of um, to have the features to make that easier so that actually almost I as an investor who want to publish, you know, can talk about what my portfolio is and what, you know, the, the kinds of things that you see on other social platforms um, where you can follow, those sorts of things will come. But because it's a fairly transparent platform, you can start to identify who are the ones who are making those bets. And so um, for those people who aren't, you know, necessarily going through the numbers, you know, there are those communities that we've got on, on the platform, actually, we know spread beyond uh, our platform and, and, and there are discussions outside, which then result in groups investing together. Now, I know that fintech was a very large, ever-growing sector on your platform, but given COVID-19, the last, you know, three months or whatever since, since mid-March, um, have you seen a spike a, in, in companies coming to you looking to raise funds instead of going to government handouts, which they may or may not receive or whatever else, and looking to actually just give away their own equity to, to solve their own problems. Um, you know, is there one specific sector or space that, that is actually coming to you and actually utilising your platform to, to use their equity to actually raise money to either survive or to grow? Specifically at this time, you mean? Yes. Um, yeah. I know, that fintech, I know that fintech before was one of your largest growing sectors. So um, if we exclude fintech for a second, um, yeah. you know, where are you uh, and Cedars on, you know, where, the, the traffic and the, and, the, and the incoming deals from, you know, mid-March? Yeah. So um, we, you know, from about the the 13th of March, actually, you know, we saw a drop off as, as a lot of businesses started to wrestle with the impact of COVID and lockdown, uh, particularly in the UK. Um, and, um, and that probably lasted, if I were to, you know, be showing you some of our liquidity graphs, that probably lasted about two weeks, and then it started to come back again, um, certainly in terms of investment. Um, and, and then by the end of March, early April, um, the investor side had sort of returned to pre-COVID levels. The, the more challenged side was for the entrepreneur um, uh, because really they faced sort of three challenges. One was they needed to work out for their business what recovery needed for, for COVID-19. Um, uh, they also had some of their own anchor investors that, that may have um, had expressed uncertainty as they kind of looked into their portfolio. And also they didn't know is now the right time to raise money in this climate. Um, as I mentioned earlier, within two weeks, we sort of knew actually that the investor was back uh, and investing and looking for deal flow. Um, uh, and in fact, at our low point, we probably had about 13 campaigns live. 
um, as of this morning, we're back up to 34. Um, so, you know, that's, that's recovered. In terms of your question on um, the types of businesses, you definitely saw sort of three types of businesses. There were those who absolutely were benefiting from the growth where um, uh, it, it's, you know, it was in line with what they were trying to do. I mean, a sort of, um, you know, slightly uh, different one, but but we all kind of experienced it, which was a company named uh, Cheeky Panda, which um, sells uh, home delivery of toilet paper, um, uh, was absolutely storming it. Um, and there were a number of others. So home delivery, um, uh, other food and beverage, which you can get from home. There were a number of categories which definitely got a bump as those of us who are now at home needed certain supplies. Um, and, uh, and for them, they were dealing with a different sort of problem. You had those which were agnostic, um, and then, and then uh, but I guess a vast majority who were affected. And they very much looked to raise money. I think what they really wanted to know was, you know, what is the government going to do? And that finally became known um, about two weeks ago when they you know, brought forth the Future Fund in the UK. Um, it's something that we were involved sort of behind the scenes um, in providing some guidance so that when it came out, it was something that was useful. It doesn't solve for everybody, but um, it's now been live. We've got seven campaigns on the site now, which are um, future fund pursuing um, for matched grants from the government. And there's another sort of six or seven that are private, which will go live soon. Um, and so in each case, um, you know, we've seen, entrepreneurs try to identify um, different sources of capital at this time just to make it through because I think what generally people feel is this will go. I mean, the new normal may be different, but this is a hump to get over rather than, um, you know, something that is, um, you know, will change the economy completely, although I think some people uh, feel it will. But, um, but, but most, know, most feel that pretty confident that they just need to work their way through this period. Um, and, and we're working with them on, on, on helping through that. Um, roughly how many companies have actually been through your process and actually now have returned investment funds to their investors? And roughly what does that investment look like? Are we talking two times, five times, four times multiple? You know, roughly what does an investor, I know obviously every, every company that they invest in is going to be different, but roughly what's the average if, a, if, a, if a, an investor came on your site, invested a thousand pounds roughly in two years, three years, whatever that time frame on average is, what roughly are they going to see as a return? Sure. Um, let, let me pick that off in with, with a three part answer. So if you were to have invested across the platform generally, then our portfolio analysis shows that you would have had a, um, an IRR of about 12%. Um, uh, if you had just, picked every single deal that had gone on our platform. And, um, and then you can cut that by areas. FinTech has done um, a bit better, for example. Food and beverage has done quite well, um, uh, as have consumer products. Um, in terms of specific exits, so um, uh, last year, for example, we had eight exits. This year, we're tracking almost one a month. Um, and, and those have ranged from um, about uh, 40% um, uh, IRR to uh, about five times uh, IRR, uh, or yeah, yeah, five times return. Um, uh, but actually, is I probably should mention um, another dimension of our platform, which is the secondary market. 
So, um, you know, one of the differences of crowdfunding historically is that, you know, markets, investment markets generally have, you know, uh, a primary part and a secondary part. Um, and it's not something that's been true in private until uh, we launched one in uh, June of two, 2017. Um, and, uh, and that enabled anybody who had invested in one of these early stage businesses, which historically meant that that money was probably committed for five plus years to actually exit at any point in time. And so um, when we launched it, uh, and we had our first trading window in June. Some of those investors who went in really early into some businesses uh, like Vico um, back in 2012, they actually had, I think, the top five were like 19 times returns. Um, I think there was one that was 17, one that was 15. So some really solid because it really proved that if you're in early um, for some of those businesses that succeed, there's a, there's a great exit. And so you don't necessarily now with Cedars need to wait for the business to exit, you as an investor can exit. And you can exit um, at any time, or what many do is, because 80% of the deals on Cedars are EIS or SCIS eligible, is they wait for the three-year window to elapse, um, which allows them to retain that, uh, that tax gain, and then they sell out. Um, and last month was a huge market um, for our secondary trades. Um, we had over 1,800 uh, trades take place in May. Um, it was the first month that Revolut um, was priced at the new round uh, recently. I'm sure you probably saw it in the press. Um, uh, so oh, we had over, I think, uh, 1.2 million uh, pounds of shares traded um, in the May secondary window, which was fantastic. So it, it's one of the most important things that we feel about, um, I guess, the future of Cedars, which is that we want to build a a proper investment platform for the, the whole life of the investment, not just um, not just when you're raising, but actually from the beginning to the end of the life of the investment that you've made or that you've received if you're the business. If you're a company actually coming to Cedars looking to raise uh, equity uh, or looking to raise money on using your equity, um, how do you actually work with a company so you don't end up with those sort of car crash-esque shark tank or dragon's den deals where someone's looking for a million pounds and giving away five percent equity and stuff like that how do you work with them to work with their numbers so an investor or investors through your platform um, actually you know don't think it's the most ridiculous thing um because obviously i'm assuming you can't then negotiate once the deal's live you can't say well i'll give you some of this but your equity's stupid um you know it, it's fixed so how do you go about working with them to actually take that potentially sometimes fanciful number and make it sensible? Yeah, I think the, um, uh, there's, there's probably two or three things there. One is the fact that, um, I guess, to our point earlier, that the, the round generally doesn't succeed unless the valuation is sensible, unless it's, um, uh, it's something that the, the crowd will digest. And quite often, the crowd will look for an anchor to have put a marker down. So one of the things that is, is part of the DNA from the very beginning was that it was to democratize investment in this asset class by giving you, the, um, you know, the member of the public, the same valuation that the institution came in at. So, there's, so that you know that if, you know, if it was backed by a big VC or it was backed by you know, maybe even a, a corporate investment, that actually the valuation was the same and that you weren't somehow being... Uh, charge more 
than, than what's coming in. So we make sure that there is parity there. Um, you know, we also have enough history now, having you know uh, had over um, a thousand deals go through the platform of valuation. So if you're trying as an entrepreneur to put in too high a number, then usually if it you know if in the end uh, it does go live on that number, it it usually doesn't make it. I think the other thing that um, we're conscious of is our commercial model. So actually, we're incentivized. Um, yeah, obviously, we earn, we earn a fee on the raise itself, but we also earn a percentage carry on the profit earned on an exit. So if there's no profit, we don't, we don't make anything on the carry. So therefore, you know, it is in everybody's interest. It's in the investor's interest. It's in the entrepreneur's interest. And it's in our interest that there is upside in the next round, that actually the business does go on to deliver profit to the investor. And so there is that part of the conversation that we have um, with, with the investor to show that, you know, we're aligned with your success. And therefore, if you're starting off with something that's not fair, um, then, you know, it will become problematic later for, for, for all parties. Um, um, and you're generally coming at doing a raise, you know, with the knowledge that you'll probably be back because if you're successful, you will want to, you want capital to take you to, um, to the next milestone. Um, so it's kind of across those, those three dimensions, between them, it's rare that you get something which is which is too punchy. Occasionally, we will um, have an entrepreneur who wants to put too big a number on it in terms of valuation, um, and and then we just can't go live with them because we know the entrepreneur um, that won't succeed. I mean, in, in its simplest form, we require two things: we require that everything you say is true as an entrepreneur, and based on what we know of our investors, we believe that what you have as a proposition is what the investors are looking for and that they will back. The rest of the decision about whether you're a good investment, we leave to the investment community to make that call. Just on that, just wrapping up, but on that point of sort of good investments, um, obviously you mentioned Revolut just now. Um, who is pretty much has been your standout um, investment at, you know, during the, the last eight years that's been on the platform? Um, I mean, Revolut certainly... <laughs> has hit the ball out of the park. Um, uh, uh, I think they're probably, uh, in terms of in terms of valuation, I think they're probably near the top. Um, uh, uh, Vico, actually, which I mentioned earlier, uh, V-E-Q-O, um, which is um, uh, a, an online technology play, um, they came in at a very low valuation. So as I said, they've gone, uh, they've increased that value over um, over 20 times uh, since since coming on board. Um, and then we've had some some really nice ones with Hectare, um, uh, which uh, I think referred to themselves as um, a Tinder for cows, um, but it was it was a form of uh, basically online trading of uh, cattle, um, um, and that and they've it's incredibly well managed business. Um, uh, they've done very very well um, and have continued to grow uh, through the journey. Um, uh, and the investors have have continued to back it with each round because they've demonstrated success. Excellent. Okay. Um, thanks, uh, Jeff Kaliski, CEO of Cedars. Uh, thanks for your time today, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from you soon. Pleasure. Working with leading experts who know all about the business you run, because your business matters. <laughs>